live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know this. You know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. You are tuned into the entertainment edition of the ODPH, and we definitely want to interact with you. So make sure to swing on over to ODPHpodcast.com. Join the conversation on our social media accounts. They're all right there. Check out Parlay Points. New comics blogs dropping this week. A lot of good stuff right there. The T Public Store. What better time of year is it to go get ODPH swag? Uh, the, the answer is there is never a bad time. So you want to take advantage of what the designs are right now. Get yourself some swag. You'll be thanking me later. I know. Trust me. All of that and so much more. ODPHpodcast.com. And always remember on social media, use the hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off the entertainment edition of the show, we have to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. Sure. A little bit. Not, not much. Because obviously, this is the big game. We've obviously broken it down on the sports edition. But one aspect of the big game itself is the commercials. And the $6.5 million price tag. Yes, which, hey, do you. Yeah. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. It's like, a very expensive uh, trailers. Right. But it does generate a lot of buzz. It generates a ton of hype if it's done well. I mean, this is almost like a make or break for a movie. One trailer stood out to the panel... In particular. Mm-hmm. And that is, we got the latest trailer for Marvel Studios' Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Uh-huh. So this is the second time we've now seen some footage. The first time was released in the post credit scene of Spider-Man No Way Home. Yep. So we have a lot to digest from this one. Uh-huh. There's a lot of Easter eggs. There's a lot of talking points about this. So let us get into it. We are going to give the official spoiler warning because we are going to be breaking it down. So if you want to dodge the knowledge that we're going to be talking about, the rumors, fair enough. We're giving you fair warning after the countdown. We're going right in. So that being said, in three, two, one, pad. What did you think about the Doctor Strange 2 trailer? This trailer was really good. I, you know, I was expecting, you know, quite a bit from it seeing as it is a trailer on taking place on the Super Bowl. And when you're paying upwards of 6.5 million dollars for like a 30 second ad, you better deliver on this damn thing because you're not shelling out all this money just for, you know, average, you know, prime time time slot. Uh it delivered in every sense of the word uh because holy fuck this was awesome. I have to agree with you. I was not sure what exactly we were going to get out of this movie. Obviously, you know, Sam Raimi is coming back to the universe. It does have a cool horror vibe to it. Yeah. And it definitely is reprising the roles of Benedict Cumberbatch, Benedict Wong. And we are having Elizabeth Olsen join the fray, uh, reprising her role as the Scarlet Witch. So Doctor Strange and Wong are back. Everything else has been kind of very hush-hush. Yeah. And obviously coming off the heels of WandaVision off Disney+, Plus, there has been a lot of excitement hovering around this movie. Yeah, and especially when it was announced by Kevin Feige himself a couple of years ago, 
uh, maybe even a year ago, I forget, that the events of WandaVision would lead directly into what took place with uh, this film. So everyone was like, oh, that's going to be very interesting because it'll have been the first time we saw something like that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, so that brought a lot of attention on WandaVision and then everything happened with WandaVision and, and what, going, holy shit, with the surprises and plot twists there. You know, so that just built up the hype for the movie even more. Yes. So now as we kick off the trailer, though, we're seeing Doctor Strange waking up and he's saying that he's reliving the same dream over and over. Yeah. His sanctorium is absolutely frigid and broken down and frail. He walks in. He sees a big staircase. Yep. Not really sure what to expect from that. Yeah. And then we kind of get a little bit of fighting, and a lot of action is now all of a sudden kicking and really taking up some steam here. Yeah. And this is something that I thought was kind of interesting how they're trying to play it off. And we do see that somebody is apparently being held Against their will, uh-huh. bind you know, and in, in binds mystic binds. It's like a multi-limbed individual. Yes, and this appears to be uh, America Chavez, yep. who's played by Zodi Gomez. Uh-huh. Apologies if I messed up the name. And we do see her face to face with a figure yeah. at one point because yeah. it looks like Chavez is blocking a portal. Now, who this character is, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Sure. Do you have any guesses, Pat? I don't have any idea. I also do want to note that when we see the Sanctum Sanctorum in the beginning, it's the old... Now, mind you, the Sanctum Sanctorum is in the middle of friggin' New York, so there's buildings alongside it for miles and miles and miles. Mm. In the shot we see in the trailer, it's the only thing left standing, and there's rubble all around it. Yes. So it is a very telling scene as we see it. And but with this character that we see, I'm going to make an official guess. Okay. I think it's Nightmare. Mm. Now, obviously, we've heard the rumors that Nightmare was going to be in this movie, and it's kind of died down a little bit from where we first started hearing about this project. I think it's him, and I think it makes a lot more sense if it is him. Yeah, that, that does make sense. I've seen some more people saying it's Dormammu, and maybe it could be, eh. but I, I don't think they're going to play that card again. Or maybe it's Nightmare impersonating Dormammu. I mean, it could be because obviously you need to get into Doctor Strange's head to really do some damage. And as we're seeing, obviously, the Strange wakes up from this nightmare gasping and is is freaking out that, he, okay, wait, what have I just witnessed? Yeah. And he does see his watch on the table and he does say, and the nightmare begins. Mm-hmm. So I think there might be a little more smoke to that, that it is nightmare. Yeah. Which is a long-standing Doctor Strange villain. So I'm perfectly fine with this, and especially if it's going to be a horror genre. Yeah. Give it to me with Nightmare, because that's where I think they need to go with this. Then we start kind of going around the rest of Doctor Strange's universe at this time. Mm-hmm. This is the fallout from No Way Home. Yep. And obviously when he decided to start tampering in the multiverse with Peter Parker. Yeah. Because Peter couldn't get into college. The worst <laughs> reason possible. Uh, Teenage drama. Yes. Gotta love it. Yeah. We're seeing Wong is talking to him and basically saying, like, you know you screwed up. You fucked up. You fucked yeah, up. Yeah, pretty you much. You fucked up. And Strange is like, I did what I had to to protect the world. And Wong, and I love how Benedict Wong does this, is just like, you can't control everything. Uh-huh. Like, you need to realize you're not the guy responsible for this. And he even says, you've opened up a doorway between universes. Yeah, and we don't know what came through. Yes. And that's always the problem when you tamper with the multiverse. It does make for some very interesting stories if you do it right. Yeah. And I know that everybody's really jumping to conclusions because obviously 
tying everything back into Loki yeah. and variants. It's, yeah. It almost gives you a reset button to bring in characters from different timelines, which it can, like I say, it can be done well and it can be done poorly too. I think in this situation, we're going to see some good things happen. We do see a quick shot of Rachel McAdams reprising her role. Yeah. And it looks like she's coming out from a party. Then we get the first appearance of Scarlet Witch officially. Yep. Wanda is now in the trailer. And Doctor Strange is going to consult her about the multiverse. Now, I think this is kind of an interesting point, too, because at the end of WandaVision, yep. the bonus scene added extra asterisks. Yeah. When Doctor Strange is going to confront her when Wanda has disappeared. Right. I think this is where this, that scene now picks up. Yeah, I think so. And it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Well, I think we're also going to get some resolution to the, you know, when it came to multiverse and mystical magic, why he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. You know, because I, I know that was one thing everyone was kind of speculating as the show went on is like, okay, something like this is going on. Why wasn't Doctor Strange brought in or why didn't he show up at any point? I think we might finally get some resolution to that. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, they have to explain that. I mean, that's a big question mark that has been lingering around for a long time that yeah. even just a quick one-liner like well i was in the astral plane or i was i had faith in you or something like that yeah, yeah something like that just to explain it but at this point they seem very cordial and wanda's explaining how the vision had his theories of the multiverse yeah but like they it was messy yes and then you kind of get a flashback to where there's a big fight going on you do see a creature with horns on his head yeah now Pad, do you have any guesses who that is? No. I think it's the High Evolutionary. Ooh, and okay. I think this is might be where he is stationed at this point, but the character in question, I think, is Bova. Okay. And Bova is a longstanding part of that universe. I think that this is the first time we're going to see that character here. I know it was kind of lightly referenced in WandaVision and one of the Easter eggs, too. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, it was it was mentioned, like, the country she was born. Like, there was something, me- like, it wasn't specifically mentioned, but if you knew enough about the character, you could put two and two together. Right, and I think that they're now picking up on that, which I'm all here for, because when this is going on, obviously, and you're tying into a lot from Kamartaj, and uh-huh. that, that's the Ancient One's temple where everybody was getting trained in the mystic arts. Yeah. So you're seeing that obviously something is happening there that's really having an effect on this. And if yeah. Bova is there, who knows if the High Evolutionary has now taken over. Like I say, that is my guess. He's oh. not exactly there for tea and crumpets. Right. I mean, there's reasons that he's there. Yeah. But to what example? I don't know. Like I say, you're tying in a lot of questions that are going to happen here. And like I say, if it's the High Evolutionary, this is going to get very, very messy in a hurry. If it is. But I digress. As we go on, we do see Baron Mordo make his appearance. Yeah. And obviously we know that from the last time we saw Baron, uh, things have not been the same as he left. No. With Doctor Strange. No. So obviously uh, Chiwetel Elephor uh-huh. is reprising his role as uh, Baron Mordo. Yep. And more or less is doing the right thing. He already didn't have a lot of faith in Strange given the events of the first Doctor Strange movie. And then you take in the fact of what happened in Infinity War. And what happened with Endgame, mm-hmm. and then what happened in Spider-Man No Way Home, he's really not going to be happy with him. Yeah. And then I would assume, based off of, and now granted, I don't know, Mystic Arts and their laws and how their that stuff goes around. But I imagine, because in the trailer, he does say, you know, oh, what well, you've tampered with the timeline, you know, or whatever it is, and, and you that can't go without punishment. And we see, presumably, Strange 
getting put in handcuffs. Yes. You know, so I would imagine it's not just, it could just be for all that. I don't know. But I would imagine something else in between, this might be like a third of the way through the movie or something like that, you know, and that something else has gone on where Strange is mistakenly and stupidly tried to fix his mistake only to make it worse. Well, that's something that they're giving him those big character flaws here, which I do. I do like for the sense of the movie. So sure. Cause obviously Dr. Strange thinks he's too cool for school. If you read most of the comics he's written in. Well, and and you think about in in the movies we're back to when he was a surgeon and he was like the greatest surgeon and he was actively turning down patients, you know, for, for uh, surgery surgeries they needed, you know? So he's like the hottest shit since sliced bread you know, he's the greatest and, and he's perfect and he does no wrong and he's the most gifted. And now he's like a small guppy in a big ocean. Yeah. But it's always cool to see like Elijah four. And I apologize if I'm, I'm butchering the name too. reprising the role is more yeah. because he adds a different element to Dr. Strange. Like it's going to be a very cool battle when Moro yeah. finally turns. Yeah. Because he's been the one that's been on the right side of things. Sure. You know, with everything he's done and he sees the flaws in Strange, but Strange is still trying to be the smartest you know person in the room and he's failing miserably because as we see, he's imprisoned and he's getting taken somewhere. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where things get slightly interesting. Yeah. Because we do see Strange getting escorted by robots. Mm-hmm. Now, Pad, what do these robots look like? Uh, they look kind of like something out of a Japanese show. They also might look like some f- uh, female version of the Iron Man suit. Uh, and I know a lot of people were speculating this might lead into Secret Wars. Uh, that is one theory going around. When I first saw this, though, I immediately thought Ultron. Mm, maybe. And obviously how they've tied in Ultron to Tony Stark yeah. in the MCU. I mean, obviously in the comics... It's all Hank Pym's fault. Right. But in the MCU, right. it's been Tony. And I'm seeing that these suits kind of look like an almost like an evolution. Yeah, they to, look like a modified version. To a degree. But it also even seems like the Iron Spider suit, too, as it, well. It does look like a mix. You know, you've got the head that looks kind of like the Iron Man head helmet, even a little bit of Ultron. Now, and of course, that could just be you saying it and me seeing it. Uh, the eyes look like the Spider-Man uh, eyes. But then, yeah, the chest does look like one of... Tony's variants on the Iron Man armor. Yes. So it's very interesting about how these are getting mixed together. Now, we are talking multiverse. Yeah. So they can spin this very easily. But this early speculation, I'm going to go with the Ultron theory to just see how this plays out. Sure. And then you see Strange is getting led into a room. Uh Uh-huh. And once he's led into the room, Pad... Who do we hear? Well, it's an, he walks into a room. It's almost like a courtroom looking thing. It reminds me very much of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. Uh, and there's an elevated dais in front of him with one, two. I'm presuming there's one in front of him. He's obstructing it. So we'll go with there's a third one. Four, five, six. So we'll say there's six, but I can see five. Uh, you know, and we do hear a voice that in, in, in the camera cuts to Strange and he kind of gives this quizzical look. And you hear a voice that says... Maybe it's time we finally tell him. And it's not just any old voice. It is the voice of one Patrick Stewart. Yes. Now, the last time we saw Patrick Stewart was when he was in Logan. And he done lost the damn mind. Yes. And this is when he was saying he was done playing the role. Yep. Professor X was in, in that, the Fox universe. Yep. He was done playing it. So to hear his voice come across that screen. And that is his voice. And it does cut to a shot over his shoulder 
looking at Strange, and you can't fully see him, but listen, it's a dude in a bald, with a bald head. Yeah. That's Patrick Stewart. Yes. So it is interesting to see that they're bringing Patrick Stewart back. You know, at least we hear the audio. If I would assume he's going to be back in person for this yeah, as well. No, yeah. And, and we know that there are going to be cameos in this movie. I mean, it's been confirmed as much. Right. So to the level of Spider-Man No Way Home, possibly. Maybe. It's just when you're starting to deal with the multiverse and obviously... Marvel has gotten all their toys back in their toy box. Well, almost. For the most part. I mean, there's only a couple that are yeah. still out there on Fringe. Yeah. It is going to be interesting to see how they're going to progress with the Illuminati because that is the group that we see sitting in those chairs. There is somebody that looks from a distance possibly being Reed Richards. Yeah, I know that's been speculated. Yeah, so that is speculation. But as the original Illuminati appeared in the comics, they are comprised of Iron Man... Black Bolt, right. Reed Richards, Namor, Professor X, and Doctor Strange. Well, and i got to give the crew credit for the way they filmed this. Because you know Marvel fans are going to go over this entire trailer with a magnifying glass and mm-hmm. a fine-tooth comb. You legitimately can't tell from the scene where Strange is walking in to that room who's in the building. There's two people sitting in the chairs. One's walking in, you know, so and you genuinely can't tell who they are. Right. No, they shot this very well, and then when you hear the you know the voice and it just it looks like Patrick Stewart. Oh yeah, it, that's all signs are pointing to the Illuminati. Which, if they want to go that route, it's a safe play to do. Yeah, because if you don't know about this group in the comics, they were pulling a lot of stuff behind the scenes, right, and doing a lot of covert work that sure. Uh, when they were discovered, did not go over very well. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, because it does lead to Seeker Wars. Now, am I going to say that this is the start of that? No, I'm not going to. Could be a little kernel or a little seed planted. Well, the one thing that we have known, and this is not exactly a secret if you read a lot of the articles that have come out, but sure. the Russo brothers who directed Endgame, Infinity War. Two of the Iron Man movies? Or not Iron Man, Captain, Captain America. America movies. Yeah, they directed two of those. Have publicly said in past that... If there's one movie they'd love to do, and that's Secret Wars. Sure. And if you've read the Jonathan Hickman story, it's fantastic. I mean, it was years of buildup. It's it's one of the Marvel's best recent stories, I would say. Sure. So if you haven't sure. checked it, I, I highly recommend it. If this is slowly building to that, that's an interesting play, and I'd be okay with it. I'd be fully here for it. But we are going to say that that movie will not be happening anytime soon. No, they got a they got a lot of buildup for that. Right. So you need to temper the expectations if you're expecting that out the gate. Yeah. But still, that all being said, it is interesting to see that there looks to be debuting, you know, and bringing that to the forefront. And seeing what the temp of the room is going to be. But I think what they're going to do with this, though, in this reality, I think Mordo is going to be taking the role of Doctor Strange in that Illuminati. Uh, maybe. And and the, I think the other thing we got to remember is this ain't Fox running this universe. You know, you think of the Fox movies and just how many big stories they blew their load on in successive movies. Mm-hmm. Marvel and Feige like to build up to these things. They'll give you some well-known stories and stuff, but they'll build up to it. You know, they didn't build up to the, you know, Infinity War or whatever it's called in the comics. You know, they, they was like 10 plus years of, of buildup, you know, so Secret Wars might happen someday and probably will happen someday, but, you know, it's not, you know, it's not going to be the next Avengers movie on the horizon. No, I fully agree with you there. I don't think it's going to be. But where we jump from here is you do see uh, Doctor Strange and America Chavez Going, it appears like traveling through time. Yeah. 
Now, they do wind up in a prehistoric place. Uh-huh. Pad, do you have any speculation on this? Two words. Savage land. Yeah. Because I know it was brought... I saw a speculation online. I forget. I think it was in Loki. Mm-hmm. It was in... It was one of the more recent properties that have come out. There was a map of Antarctica that was shown in that Savage uh, Savage Lands was scribbled on the map uh, on said uh, whatever it was that it was on. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of ways it can go with Savage Land, too, because that is such a fixture in Marvel that if you really want to tell a really cool story, you can go there. I mean, I know Kazar is there as well. Um, I don't know exactly what they would do uh, about introducing him to the movies. Not saying it's out of the realm of thought, though. Just want to point that out. Right. But it is an interesting play nevertheless. So if that is going to be a play or they're just going to kind of test the waters and see, I think that will be kind of interesting as well. But then we go from there to a shot that if you've been watching What If, you know who this character is. Uh-huh. And that is Sinister Strange. Uh-huh. You know, or Evil Strange or however you want to define it. Uh, I think the running word has been Sinister Strange. Yeah. And obviously, if you saw that What If episode, you know what has happened to him. And I think it's a very cool thing that they're bringing him now back to the MCU. Oh, yeah. No, I I absolutely love that. And I love that they took a show which a lot of people might have thought is just like a throwaway. It doesn't really mean much. And all of a sudden, nah, means quite a lot more than you think. Yes. I mean, that's always cool when they do that. Because I know like this in the scene prior, you see like Doctor Strange is like, breaking down yeah he's in like it's that it's that trailer shot they're going to use as their application for like uh, the oscar and whatever year it is uh for best uh visual effects Mm -hmm. you know it's the one that you'll see in the trailer when they eventually get nominated for it but no yeah i mean it it does appear it it is sinister strange it's i mean it's the scene i think we saw from the first trailer last time around where he's like oh things just got out of hand yeah it's gonna be awesome yeah i'm super excited about that as well and then you kind of see more, it appears, from the battle at Kamara Taj. Yep. And you do see a figure. Now, this one has caused a lot of online buzz. Uh-huh. Pat, how would you describe this figure? Uh, dude's on fire. Yeah. And I'm not talking Nicolas Cage. My skull's on fire. Oh, the great Ghost Rider. If you're going to bring back anybody, that's who you bring back to the MCU. Duh. <laughs> Just to hear the anger. Robbie Reyes, please. Robbie yeah. Reyes. Hell yeah. I don't know why this has not happened yet. And the rumor going around here, and mm-hmm. this and it, this is to be taken very seriously. Mm-hmm. People are speculating this is superior Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if it is or isn't. I, I can't figure that out. But we do know the person is going right after Wanda. Yeah. So it's also been speculated I, that it's Monica Rambeau. Yeah, as as well too. Which would make sense because I believe she is in the movie as well too. Yep, I believe so. So. They're definitely going to have a star-studded cast for this. So if you do go either either way, a, p- a person with a lot of energy is coming after Wanda yeah. for reasons. And obviously you're seeing the fallout there because they're just trashing everything that Doctor Strange is doing. Yeah. And everything that has been built at Kamarataj. Like, it, you're going to see the fall of that place. Yeah. No, no questions asked. Uh, it ain't exactly going to be a broom and butler to clean it up. Right. You so, need a little bit more. So, I mean, it could be the Illuminati attacking, which could would be, be a wild scene to think about, too. I think it also just could be could be a result of, you know, you know, Wong brought it up earlier in the trailer. They don't know what got through. They don't necessarily have to go 
star-studded in, in, you know, a Chris Hemsworth variant of Thor where he's evil and this and that. Like, they could just do variants, you know, on some of the villains they've had in other films mm-hmm. and just have them snuck through and they're destroying the place. I mean, this could be very intriguing to see. Oh, it absolutely will be. And then you get to see kind of an odd scene, I will say. Like, after you see the battle, you go back to New York. Yep. And you see a character coming their way, one-eyed, tentacles. It reminds me of the thing from Suicide Squad. Yeah. Not going to lie. It, it does have a Starro vibe to it, but it's not Starro. Right. And the online name that I've seen going around is Gargantos. Yeah, and, and they've been teasing this a little bit in the trailer just because if you go back to the start of the trailer and they flash the Marvel logo, uh, you do see like tentacles in the lettering, you know, kind of like in the background in the lettering. Yeah, so it's definitely a cool appearance. I thought it was going to be Shimura Goreth, which everybody was kind of teasing about. If you know sure. the MCU, you could see where it could possibly be. But it's kind of an interesting play that it's going to be Gargantos. And like I say, I'm not too familiar with the character, so I'm excited to see it. But we do see a cool action sequence where Doctor Strange is splitting a bus in half Yeah, uh, that's thrown at him. And then you get probably one of the more cooler lines in this trailer. And that is Wanda talking to Doctor Strange mm-hmm. and literally saying, you break the rules, you're a hero. I do, and I become the enemy. How is that fair? It's a valid point. I also want to bring up, I think he crosses into different multiverses or different universes in this movie, simply because we go to the shot right before Wanda says that line. Uh, and he's standing in front of the Sanctum Sanctorum, and there's a fucking statue of himself in front of that damn thing. Now, I realize I'm not the most attentive person when it comes to background details of movies. I usually don't catch those until I read an article about it, and I go, oh, hey, there it is. Mm-hmm. I don't remember there being a statue of him in front of the Sanctum Sanctorum in No Way Home. No, I don't either. So me thinks he might have crossed into a different universe. Well, I think so. I think that's completely possible. Because one thing that you're going to see with this movie is they're going different timelines. They're going all over yeah. the place. Like It's going to get messy. It's, it's going to be a road be, trip. It's going to be a little wild, too, because then you do see a scene where it appears the Scarlet Witch is going back yeah. to WandaVision land. Yeah. And that's a little freaky. Yeah. That's not going to be good for anybody. Yeah. So, I mean, they're going to be jumping around a lot, too. And you do see, though, the final shot, though, uh-huh. after this. And you do see a creature kind of emerge through all of this wild fighting that's going on. Because, I mean, you do see Strange fighting the creature. You do see a little shot of Strange fighting Baron Mordo. You see, like, Scarlet Witch got messed up by she, something. She's all sorts of bloody. She's She's got a nasty gash on her head that is just pouring blood over her face. Right. But then you see the final shot of this really crazy figure. Yeah. And you got Wong hanging on. Oh, that's right before that. Yeah. Well, it's like a split second before that Wong hanging onto a cliff where he just yells strange. Yeah. Because somebody has unleashed something. And then you see like, and I know I'm going to confirm this right now. This is not null. People, no. were, people were hitting me up on ODPH pod and saying, yo, is this null? No, you know who I think that is? I think it's zombie strange. See, I'm going to say it's nightmare. Like, when I saw that, I'm like, I'm fully convinced that that could be. Because, well, the only thing is Nightmare usually wears green. Sure. But, listen, you can explain that all you want. It's the movies. They always change the look. Yeah, and we do know they are going to be doing a live-action zombie, Marvel zombies. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, they've they've been speculating about that. So, it could be zombie strange, but I'm going to go with Nightmare. Mm -hmm. And that's how the trailer ends. Yeah. 
man, there is a lot going on with that. And then you want to even try breaking down the poster? Yeah, so the poster's got a lot going on simply because, um, you know, it's it's got Doctor Strange and he's looked like he's doing some mystical magical stuff. Uh, you've got a lot of glass breaking around him and it would appear that it looks like somebody's trying to come through. You see, um, and there's some interesting stuff on the broken glass. You do see what appears to be uh, Strange Supreme, Evil Strange. On one of the broken glasses, you've got a couple of shards of Wong. You know, there's more Stranges there. There's some eyes there. If one eye that looks like Mordo. Uh, but then you look, and I'm trying to find it. I know it's on here. Where the hell? There it is. Uh, bottom right of the trailer, probably about mm, 4 o'clock, if we're talking like I'm looking on a clock on the poster. There is a broken shard of glass that is the shield of none other than Captain Carter. Yes. Which is going to be very cool to see her on the big screen as yeah. well. Like, they have so many options to go with from here. I mean, that's the one thing that you got to take away from this trailer is they teased a lot, but the playbook is wide open. Oh, hell yeah. So it's not all the realm of thought to think you're going to see Nick Cage as Ghost Rider, like legitimately. Most goals on far. Yeah. You might see Tom Cruise show up. Oh, that'd be as Iron Man, because the the one thing... That was the rumor in the 90s, yeah. Yeah, in the 90s, he was heavily rumored to be playing the role of Tony Stark. That, that'd be wild. Yeah, like before we got into the MCU land and we were talking different movies, different projects, he was tagged with that for like the longest time. Almost like as long as James Cameron was tagged with the Spider-Man franchise. Oh, right. Which is still mad we never got, but it's okay. You're going to have those characters come in. Like, are you? Is it possible you would see Ben Affleck show up as Daredevil? Maybe, maybe. Like, there's talk. There's going to be a lot of cameos in this movie. Yeah, which I think if you're going to do it and you're going to do the multiverse, you have to go that route. Sure, you have to really bring in some properties that you have never tried before on screen. Or if you have, just to even get that swan song. Like, I'm not saying you're going to see Chris Evans as Human Torch. No, but I'm not saying it's all the realm of thought either. It's not. I mean, he let's let's not forget Chris Evans did sign on to an unspecified role for a future Marvel project. Yeah, I mean, this would be a hell of a one to do if it was a one shot. And just to kind of hear the buzz coming out of this, I think is nothing but a win for Marvel. Yeah, that this trailer gave a lot. Obviously, the you know Patrick Stewart line is the one that carries through everything. Oh God, yeah. But to see how this is all going to shape up and the direction they're going to go in is anybody's guess, really. I mean, that's the one cool thing about this that. We don't have a certain point A to get to point B. Right, That's and that's the nice thing. Yeah, you have a lot of different directions you can go in. You have a lot of different stories you can spin out of this. I mean, obviously, I think when they do a Doctor Strange 3, which I would say is pretty much a safe bet, it's going to be him versus Mordo. So, so everything yeah. else is, is, yeah. is done there. Like, you'll have the official Baron Mordo versus Doctor Strange battle. But until then, though, they're going to be giving a lot of Easter eggs to do. Yeah. I would not doubt seeing a lot of this getting spun out to Disney+. Plus. Probably. Yeah, that's a safe bet. That, And especially with rumors of casting, starting, happening, whatever the latest is with Fantastic Four and X-Men. Yeah. This might be where you start seeing maybe a, a, a possibility of, of an announcement. Maybe. After this movie. Maybe. I think all safe bets are pointing to San Diego Comic-Con this summer. Yeah, that's probably... If, if San Diego Comic-Con runs at full capacity and it's normal normal time, yeah, they're going to want to come back in a big way with having been gone the last couple of years. Yeah, Hall H would be the most insane place to be. Holy shit. Oy. Like, they, Marvel will want to come back there I'll in, say, in full yeah, force. Uh, the minute they announce that, start camping out now. Yeah. I... It, 
this is no joke because Marvel is going to want to come back in a big way. But this is why they're also kicking off here. I mean, you can say what you will about Morbius and yeah, in other projects coming out, but Doctor Strange is the one that everybody's waiting on, and to get this much anticipation going on with it. Man, Marvel's got to be super happy about this, how it came out. Final thoughts on the trailer, Pad. Uh, great trailer. Can't wait to see where it goes. It kind of feels like it's going to be a bookend to this kind of like whole multiverse, you know, not to borrow the the title, but it feels appropriate. This multiverse of madness, this kind of like insanity that's spun out of WandaVision, Loki, No Way Home. It feels like it's going to be kind of a bookend to that whole madness, but also spawning off multiple chapters and multiple books spinning off from that. So it's going to be interesting to see where they go and interesting to see who shows up. I don't think anyone is off limits outside of maybe their schedule literally not allowing it. I agree with you. I thought this trailer came off very well. It teased enough the Patrick Stewart mic drop. Fucking hell. Read about it, man. That's why everybody's been buzzing about this for so long. But it's going to be interesting to see as we get closer to the release date what little information we get coming out of this. It's going to be wide open. It's a it's a completely open book for Marvel to write in some characters, take some shots, get some buzz behind some people. Not to say Ryan Reynolds wouldn't pop in as Deadpool. I mean, anything is literally possible here. So Marvel has got a big win coming on their hands from Super Bowl Sunday with the trailer for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. We gave you our takes, ODPH Society. Now we want to hear yours. So hit us up on that hashtag and let us know what you thought of that trailer. We definitely want to talk. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do you love movies? I certainly do. Hi, Chris Roberts here, inviting you to listen to I Saw It on Linden Street, our weekly podcast dedicated to the joy of finding an appreciation in cult films, exploitation oddities, beloved classics, and all points in between. Join us for an informative deep dive into a film that we feel needs to be recognized, with background thrown in on actors, directors, and hey, if I'm doing my job right, you'll get a funny story out of me. So, join us here at I Saw It on Linden Street and listen today. Remember folks, life's too short not to live in the past. Take it easy. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast and pad. Do you really, do you really want to taste it? Peacemaker, the John Cena led ensemble produced by James Gunn on HBO Max is renewed for season two. Hell yeah. But before we can talk season two, and congratulations on that, by the way, we have to discuss now. Going into the season one finale, mm-hmm. there has been a lot going on with this show. Yeah. And obviously, since yeah. the success of James Gunn's The Suicide Squad movie, yep. we heard that this was going to be a project that he was going to be hands-on with. It was going to be something that is going to expand that universe. Right. Well, it, well, and wasn't this announced and filmed before the fucking Suicide Squad even came out? I, I think it was the same time. I think yeah. it was the same time. Okay. Okay. I, I think John Cena just lined it up right after that because sure. the one thing James Gunn got to do with the Suicide Squad is pick and choose characters that was almost an open playbook of DC. Yeah, like, and he was open about that, that like when he was figuring out who he wanted to have in the movie, he went to uh, DC and said, hey, is there anybody off limits I shouldn't do anything with, I shouldn't kill because you got might have something planned down the road for him? And DC literally looked at him and goes, Nah, use whoever you want, kill whoever you want, we'll fix it all later. Right. So we really had no idea what we were going to see out of this show. And obviously now, seven episodes later, 
we have a lot to digest from this. So we are going to be talking spoilers of the show. So if you haven't caught up, we're giving you the fair warning now. Because once we go in the countdown, you know how it goes down here in the ODPH by now. So that said, in three, two, one. This series has really been such a surprise hit. I Yes, agreed 100%. That I think when you see the the most creative intro in recent memory, uh-huh. and that is the song "Do You Want to Taste It?" Yeah, and John Cena and the cast dancing, it is freaking hysterical. Oh my god! And, and initially, I thought the song was like some hit from the '80s I had never heard of. Nah, it's from 2010. Yeah. So Gunn, being well known for his love of you know, 70s and 80s music, you know, you look at Guardians of the Galaxy, Mm -hmm. and then you look at the songs that have been sprinkled throughout this entire series. I, until probably episode four or five, didn't bother looking up when the song was written because I just assumed it's an 80s song. It plays like an 80s song. It sounds like an 80s song. Yeah. And then I went, son of a bitch, it's from 2010. Yeah. And just to see how this story completely unfolds is, is wild, too, because you have John Cena playing the title role of Peacemaker, who I've always said is the worst mix of Steve Rogers and Frank Castle. Uh Uh-huh. And he is playing him extremely well. Yeah. And then you start having his own little Suicide Squad run with him as well. Yeah. Leota Ebayo, played Mm -hmm. by Danielle Brooks, is the daughter of Amanda Waller. Right. Who is the longtime head of the Suicide Squad. Viola Davis reprised her role as Waller for this show as well. And she is definitely a member of the team that is out of her league and yeah. is not comfortable doing yeah. the covert work that needs to be done for this yeah, mission. Yeah, because she's coming, she's in between jobs, and she uh, recommended for this one. We find out, we don't find out till later. She's Waller's daughter, but Waller put her on the on the case, and she's not exactly comfortable with a lot of things. I mean, there's one episode where she really hesitates at pulling the trigger on killing somebody because, well, she's never killed anybody before, right? And this does come to play in factors as well, because on the other side of her is Amelia Harcourt, played by Jennifer Holland, who is an experienced agent uh-huh. that has no qualms about doing what is right for the mission. Like, it's kind of crazy to see how this all shakes up. Yeah, she's definitely the grizzled veteran of the group that, like, you know, she's personable. She can talk to people and get along with you. But at the end of the day, she does what needs to be done, and she's not afraid to do it. Right. And this definitely comes into this line of work that is... yeah. You want to say Suicide Squad light, but this is what Argus does. This is what those covert operations do in DC. I mean, there's been so many of them throughout the years. Yeah. Like, that's the one thing about DC that I think they they get right, but then they also oversaturate a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Everybody's got a government agent there, like whether it's Argus, Checkmate, the list, Leviathan, the list sure. goes on and on and on with them. And that's the thing I like with DC that I think DC does from what I've seen, you know, this in the in the film and television properties. I think DC does a little bit better when it comes to their kind of side characters. They flesh them out a little bit more than Marvel does because with uh, Daniel Brooks, you know, as Leota, we find out her backstory and she's married and she, you know, or she's got a girlfriend or she's got a girlfriend or she's married. She's married. That's her wife. You know, she's got it. She's married and she's dealing with the pressures of, pleasing her mother and living up to her mother's reputation and not being able to do it. And then what her wife wants and this. And then you look at Jennifer Holland's character and she's got all this baggage and all, you know, there's that scene. I think it's like episode one where her and Cena have a, have a little heart to heart in the bar, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that's one thing DC does better is they flesh out their secondary characters. I think they've done a very good job about that. I mean, at least in this instance. Oh, in this instance, you have to, because with such an obscure cast, 
that you're not familiar with. The only one you know is John Cena. Right. But even his character is a throwaway character in the DCU. And it's also a very different uh, portrayal than what we saw in the Suicide Squad. Oh, absolutely. And we'll get into that, too, as we go on, because in this mix of the team they have, he has a, like his redemption arc here as yeah, well. Yeah. But compared to everybody else he's around, I mean, especially you take a look at Clemson Munn, who's played by Chudwicky Iwuji. Mm-hmm. And he is the head of the group. Yeah. And he is about as cold as Waller is too. Oh my Lord. Yeah. It's a one, a one B. Yeah. And then even your comic relief, your tech guy, John Economis played by Steve Agee. Yeah. Why the hell are you here other than you're good at tech? Yeah, I mean, but there has to be a tech guy there for their mission they're going on, which even Peacemaker doesn't know, but he's just brought into this, and you see kind of the evolution of the character. And one thing that I thought they've done very well throughout this season Uh is shown, like, empathy to him. Yeah. And and sympathy as well. Like, he's not the guy you saw in Suicide Squad. No, it's night and day. He has more layers to him, which, I mean, kudos to Cena for bringing this out in him. Oh, Cena's done a masterful performance, and I, I honestly think he should get a couple nominations for this just because you look at how the character was portrayed in the Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. that he's this he's this Captain America, but with a darker side, with a little bit of Punisher mixed in, you know, fighting for freedom, not afraid to kill, you know, and that and then as you go throughout the movie, he's kind of a dick. Yeah, you know, let's let's not split hairs. Well, no, we don't need to sugarcoat it. He's he's a dick, and by the end of Suicide Squad, and then you come into this film or this show rather, and you kind of start peeling back the layers as if he were an onion. And you start getting into the past, and you start seeing the flashbacks, and you start learning why he is the why he is. And fucking Christ, his father. Oh, his father is the biggest piece of shit ever. He's the biggest piece of shit on television I think I've ever seen, and I've seen some big pieces of shit on television. You know, you start learning why he is the way he is. And you start empathizing with him a little bit, going, okay, you're not the way you are because that's just how you are you were in a really shitty situation yeah robert patrick who plays the white dragon god who is one of the most biggest pieces of racist shit ever oh and that's putting it mildly yeah like you understand why peacemaker is as messed up as he is holy shit and i thought that that was an interesting twist that they did in because i as far as i know like those characters were not connected in the comics so this is all james gunn doing right which i mean you give Peacemaker that sympathetic back, like you know, you 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 understand why he is how he is and how messed up he is. Yeah, and obviously being around that piece of shit twenty four seven will do that to you. And, and it's, it's one of those things that, like, you start out and you're like, all right, he's a little odd, you know. He likes watching, you know, conspiracy theory videos and whatnot. And it's and it's just one of those things that, like, again, like the layers get peeled back on scene and you start to learn about his character. The layers get peeled back on this guy. And he's not a nice, beautiful, you know, it ain't like the inside of a piece of coal where it's, oh, there's a nice diamond. No, it's a rotten piece of flesh. Yeah. And it's interesting just to see how Cena is, is portraying this because I will admit I, I did not expect this much good acting out of him. Like, no. Because I, 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 you, you figure he would just be John Cena. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you look at films where, like, like whatever the f- Firehouse movie he was in, you know, I saw with, with Liz. He was in that comedy movie where, like, he was the head of a forest fire. Oh. You know which one I'm talking about? Yeah, he was the head of that. It's forgettable, yeah. Yeah, like, a good movie, but, like, he's he's Cena. You know, yeah. you look at 
Fast and Furious, he's serious Cena. He's just kind of playing himself. This, there's some dynamic range to that. And I don't know if that's just him acting in enough stuff where he's starting to pick up on that or it's a credit to Gunn's writing. Maybe a little bit of both. I think a little bit of both because James Gunn has a way of, of doing this with characters. Yeah. And really making the audience really care about a character. Yeah. Even though you, when you first see him, you're just like, no, yeah. like how is this even going to be? And just to see even how this story just unfolds, because Cena is recruited, Yep. as we find out as the series goes on, to stop an alien invasion. Yeah, to stop the butterflies. Yeah, which butterflies are inhabiting humans and taking over the world. And it goes from being the simple seek and destroy mission yeah. to just unraveling the fate of the world yeah, is in his yeah. hands. Yeah, it's like, a, hey, get from A to B to C, take care of things, and you'll be good and done. And then by the by the sixth or seventh episode, you're like, oh, hey, you have to do this and then save the world. Yeah, which again, is, which he's not prepared for. But, he, you know, this is where he is, too. And his only true ally. And this blows my mind of how they've completely flipped the script on this character of Adrian Chase, uh-huh. a.k.a. Vigilante and yeah. Freddie Stroma. Holy shit, this guy's good has just completely made this character insane. That's putting it mildly. And what they've done with the character, because like, if you've never read the Vigilante comic, I mean, first and foremost, the car- the costume is spot on to the 80s. Oh, okay. Like, he, to his character. Oh, okay. I looked up uh, if he's been anything I know. He was Cormac McLaggen in the, the later Harry Potter films, who was a piece of shit character. So he's good at playing really bizarre characters. Yeah, and, and you can't get any more bizarre on what he's doing because... He is just the extreme <laughs> psycho yeah. that is going around, but there's yeah. something endearing about him that y- you you find up like you're totally back in this character, even though he is, he is another piece of shit. Well, it's like you go to the seventh episode where uh, the eagle gets hurt, mm-hmm. and, they, and they take it to the vet, and the vet fixes him up, and they're getting ready to leave, and and everyone else in the group is just ready to tie up the veterinarians and the vet techs and the whatever else that are working there. Just tie them up and leave. We're like, yeah. But he's like, no. We Chase is like, no. They've seen our face. We need to kill him. And I think even Danielle Brooks <laughs> as Leota is going, no, we don't <laughs> need to kill them. Like even the vet techs are like, no, we won't talk. We won't say anything. Just take what you need and leave. Yeah. It's just something to see how this portrayal, because if you read the comics, this is a completely different version of well, Vigilante. Even, even you think of Adrian Chase from the Arrow TV yeah. television show where he's a big rival for Oliver and he's a big thorn in his side for two seasons and he's kind of comic fodder in this one. Yeah, which I, I love how they're portraying him because, like I say, he is pretty much like 80s wannabe Punisher in the comics, yeah. and, and you get this out of and him. It's, and, and it's great comedy because there's the there's the one episode where like he gets in the gunfight and he takes he takes the guy's car and he drives the car away and he takes the mask off. He puts his glasses on. And he's like, huh, huh, I can't believe you know I can't believe he just did that. And then he passes <laughs> passes out in the car, slowly drifts off the side of the road into like this embankment. Well, it's just wild to, to see how there's this is all coming together because like you have the most unsafe and untrained uh-huh. and unprepared team, yeah, trying to save the world from an alien invasion. I mean, let's face it; the only ones that have any amount of training are Cena's character, you know, Peacemaker, and then Jennifer Holland, you know, as Agent Amelia. Yeah, like they've got some training. 
outside of that, it's kind of like trial by fire. Oh, yeah, I know. Like, this is so unprepared. I mean, I mean you Chris, like... you've got you've got Steve Aggie as John, who, like, doesn't want to fucking know anything that's going on. Like, he just wants to know the bare minimum, work his nine to five, and go home. Like, they try telling him stuff about the mission. He sticks his fingers in his ears and goes, la, 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 I can't hear you. Does that verbatim. Yeah, which, I mean, goes to show about how unprepared they are. Even when they have their head agent, Clemson, we find out he's a butterfly. Yeah. And, he, and, and Agent Amelia was in on it the whole time. Yeah, which I there is so much covert action going on here, which I love how they capture this. Like James yeah. Gunn has really captured yeah. the vibe of the Suicide Squad, which there really are no friends no, on that team. No. They're not even like really a team. It's like the worst coworkers ever stuck together and and now you see this team is kind of like bonding but i think yeah they're kind of like a family kind of but that's why i'm waiting for the ultimate flip to happen at the season finale like i'm not doubting something wild happening because now yeah. they're on the way to yeah. confront the cow as they're calling it yep which is the head of the butterflies that's causing all this yep and we've now seen this team lose clemson who was killed uh, because yep. when the butterfly invasion took over, they've now possessed a whole lot of people. Yeah, like an entire police department. Right. Which, including the prisoners. Yep, and the inside person that was helping Cena escape and, and stay out of trouble is now taken over too. So yeah. he's now on the run. You saw Leota planted evidence framing him for the murders yeah. of, of a few people because yeah. of uh, some bogus diary. And just really playing off his bad history. Oh, my God. That whole sequence where, like, you didn't actually, like, they didn't know it was planted evidence. And they're, yeah. they're going back and forth with Cena, like, you didn't plan, you didn't write a diary, did you? No, I would never write a diary. And if I did, it'd be called a journal. Yeah. Like, it, it's just something interesting that they threw in there that I say, Leota, for as much as innocent and naive as she's trying to portray, I think we're going to see something in the season finale that throws a curveball there. Probably. And I'm just wondering if if she survives or if Amelia does too, because I think that one of those char- characters doesn't make it out of this last battle. Somebody's not, yeah, somebody's not making it out. Yeah, because obviously you're seeing Amelia is trying to rally her troops and keep her team together. And it's almost like the honor amongst thieves. Yeah, yeah. Because she understands the mission. She understands what she signed up for. She understands, like, you protect your team at all costs. So you have to do what you have to do for the mission. So it kind of echoes of how Cena's character was in Suicide Squad. Yeah, essentially. Yes, but she also has a fool, a, a, a like foolish is not the, the word, just a mentally insane participant in vigilante that will do some yeah. dirty work for her too yeah. as well. So she knows she knows yeah. she knows the pieces she has along with her. Her job's already hard enough, but then you factor in uh, Adrian Chase, and it just gets a lot harder. Yeah, and especially after you see after last episode too. Where Cena winds up killing the White Dragon. Yeah. In probably the season's best episode, I would say. Yeah, I would say so. Yes. Yeah, like I think that. that back All the episodes have been great, but that was probably the best one so far. Yeah, that just stands out, too, just to see, in, you know, like Cena's growth in the character. And like now it's the final mission. We weren't sure. We were assuming we we're going to get season two. Yeah. So we do know that he will be back in some capacity. Probably with his pet eagle, which who thought Eagly would be the big hit that he is. Eagly is amazing, and I got to note he's voiced by the man of a thousand voices, D. Bradley Baker. Oh, interesting! I did uh-huh. not know that. Yeah, man of a man of a thousand voices. Don't believe me? Look up his IMDb. Yeah, yeah, no, I believe it. Man, you said that name, I'm like, yeah, there it is. Yeah, no, Eagly Eagly's been amazing. That like just. Everything they've done with him, and especially the comedic bits, like pecking, pecking uh, John in the ass as they were trying to get back into the sedan. He's like, "Ow, ow, ow! Why are you pecking? Why is he pecking me in the ass? You know, stop!" And he's like, and Cena just goes, "Oh, just find him something that sounds like a bag of chips and crumple it. He'll think you're giving him chips." Yes, which we also have to shout out Judo Master and Flaming Hot Cheetos. Holy shit! 
which another obscure DC character. Yeah. But Newt Lee, who plays him, has been freaking fantastic. Those two, those two guys who pick on him outside the, outside the mini mart, and I'm like, oh, this is gonna be fucking hilarious. This is just something that James Gunn does so well. He takes subtle moments, like a convenience store altercation, and yeah. blows it out of proportion. It, it's a nice tension break, you know, from all the action that had been going on. Yeah, because this this show definitely brings a lot of action. It brings yeah. a lot. It brings a fair amount of comedy. Great, great plot twists. Yes, the soundtrack. If you love Motley Crue, you'll be completely happy. <laughs> Even if you don't, it's pretty good. Yes. And this just shows about when you do a superhero show right, you can definitely generate that buzz to watch it. Yeah. That I think for everybody that's so concerned about oversaturation with TV shows, with superheroes, you're finding that the more extreme you go yeah. from from the typical good guy versus bad guy, you're generating enough interest that you're you're get, developing a following in the then the viewership is very well. Yeah. You've now greenlit season two. Yeah, which all episodes will be written and directed by James Gunn again. Yes. So it's been a win-win, and I think this is just something, especially for a superhero genre, which some have felt is is now just you know coming to the end of the line. You're now seeing a new, fresh wave of it coming that the fans are here for. Yeah. And obviously, if you do a story right, that you don't necessarily need to have the biggest name in comics involved. No. But you just have to have a good story, good characters, great acting, and you can build off it. And this show definitely captures what people really loved about Guardians of the Galaxy because with the obscure characters, you don't really have to worry about like, oh, Batman would never do this or yeah. Spider-Man can't do this. It's an open playbook. Yeah. And I know I mentioned that a lot, but this is when you get your creative freedom to really run with this. James Gunn has done this. This has been a wild adventure to say the least from where we started to now where we are. Going into the season finale, all bets are off. Any final predictions, Pat? Uh, I'm going to guess, obviously, somebody's going to die. Uh, I'm going to say it's going to be uh, Steve Aggie as John. I'm going to say John's going to die. Mm-hmm. And then I think what the little tease for season two is, there, is that there is going to be a comeuppance for what he did to his father and his crew. Just because I get the feeling that like they're not the only ones, and it's a smaller cell of something much larger with much larger plans involved, and I think there might be some comeuppance for that. I could definitely see that happening too. I think there's going to be some ramifications for what Peacemaker did, because I think obviously he's going to survive if you're going to do season two. They, and I got to say, they were very organized in the way they operated. Mm-hmm. So I think that he goes back to working for Task Force X. Could be. And I think that this group is now going to get another crazy mission after they survive this one. I also agree with you. I don't think somebody makes it out. I'm going to go out on the limb, and I think it's a, it's Amelia. Okay. I think, I think that she gets taken out for being the loyal soldier. And I, I fully think it's Leota that does it because I think that Amanda Waller has loose ends to tie up here. Mm. For re- We'll just say reasons, and we'll yeah. leave it at that. But I do like what they're doing here. There's a lot of wind to be had. I think uh, Vigilante, I hope he comes back for next season because you need him to balance Cena out and just let the you know completely wacky hijinks ensue. Yeah. I'm here for it. Peacemaker, final episode of season one, drops on HBO Max Thursday. Definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about the series? Have you watched it? Have you not? And what's your predictions going into that finale? Let's discuss, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideburn Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one 
Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got for those one shots? Got a couple of things to talk about. Uh, most of them movies or TV related. Uh, first two are movie related. Uh, it was announced yesterday by the folks over at Netflix, and holy shit, I didn't see this coming, that Netflix is partnering with Take-Two Interactive and specifically 2K Games to make a Bioshock movie. Uh, really? So, yeah, so reading from an article on uh, HollywoodReporter.com, uh, quote, video game franchise Bioshock is getting another shot at a film adaptation, this time via Netflix. The streaming giant has partnered with Take-Two Interactive, the game's parent company, to develop a potential cinematic universe. Vertigo Entertainment and Take-Two will serve as producers. No writer or filmmaker is on board at this time. The partnership deal has been in the works for almost a year. Uh, And then uh, the game was released in 2007 from 2K Games, a subsidiary of Take-Two. The first-person shooter game featured a crumbling underwater city named Rapture. Its city fragmented in a civil war with many inhabitants addicted or using a genetically enhancing serum that gave gives people powers while also living in fear of big daddies. Hmm. Mutated humans who have been merged with diving suits into this world is dropped the game's protagonist, Jack, a survivor of a mysterious plane crash in the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, so the game is friggin' fantastic and spun off two sequels, Bioshock 2 and Bioshock Infinite. Yeah. But a dystopian, real twisted, real weird, great games for their time. I mean, I think you can, uh, I think they came out with like a like an HD remaster type of thing for uh, PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One, which means you'll be able to play them on PS5 and Xbox, whatever the hell its name is. Uh, but definitely super excited for this. You know, I love the hell out of the games. Bioshock Infinite was the first one I played, and then because it was a free game on PlayStation Plus back on the PS3 days, and then the uh, remaster of Bioshock One and Two came out as a PlayStation Plus free game uh, last year for PlayStation Four, so I played those then. Love the hell out of them. I'm super excited to see this. A little skeptical because hey, video games, movies, but if done right, and Netflix has handled all of their video game adaptations beautifully thus far, I would say, you know, if done right, I think it could be really good. I will be honest. I've not played this that much to get a really opinion. They're good, um, but I'm definitely gonna check it out. I mean, that's like you touched upon. Netflix is pretty spot on with yeah. their stuff, so I will definitely have to give this a gander. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, coming to uh, silver screens, uh, it will, has been announced that there is a new Star Trek movie oh. in the works, reuniting the J.J. Abrams crew. Okay. Uh, specifically, Chris Pine. Uh, so reading from an article on HollywoodReporter.com, uh, quote: Paramount is getting the Enterprise gang back together. No, not the 1960s series uh, turned film series cast, but rather the cast of the J.J. Abrams relaunch that debuted in 2009 and went on to star in two subsequent movies. Paramount executive Brian Robbins and producer Abrams made the announcement at Paramount's Investors event Tuesday. Although details were not revealed, no deals are in place, but Paramount hopes that returning cast members will include Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, Simon Pegg, Carl Urban, Zoe Zaldana, and John Cho, who have starred in three films beginning with 2009's Star Trek. The announcement signals a breakthrough to relaunch Trek on the big screen. The studio had been trying to regroup the cast since at least 2018, when negotiations with Pine and Chris Hemsworth, who had a small role in Abrams' 2009 film, fell through. Since then, it had tried to redevelop the project with creatives such as Quentin Tarantino and Noah Hawley, taking stabs at films that did not move forward. Pine also played Captain Kirk in Star Trek Into Darkness 2013 and Star Trek Beyond 2016, the last big screen outing. I'm super excited for this just because while I was a Star Wars fan growing up, 
and I did watch a few episodes of Next Generation when they were on TV and when I was very young. I got I remember getting a phaser from Star Trek mm. Next Generation for Christmas as a, a five or six year old kid. Star Trek J.J. Abrams films are kind of what got me back into the Star Trek universe. So like I had no urge to go back and watch any of the Star Trek stuff just because I was like, yeah, you know, I'm more of a Star Wars guy. But watching Star Trek 2009 and then, you know, Star Trek Into Darkness and then Star Trek, you know, Beyond. that That's really what kind of like, you know what, why don't I go watch all of in next generation, you know, cause you know, I'd seen some episodes, but it had been at that point, 20 some odd years since I'd seen them, you know, why don't I go watch that? And then that got me into, uh, uh, the, the spinoff show with, with, uh, Patrick Stewart on, um, Paramount plus, you know, so I'm super excited for this and I hope, and I hope it goes through it. I hope you get all the cast members back. I love this cast. I'm excited for it. Like this was something I've never been the biggest star Trek guy. Sure. I, I don't hate on it. It's sure. just, I, I it didn't connect with me as much as like Star Wars did, but yeah. but I respect the fandom. Sure. So yeah, give this to me, and then let's see where we go. Yeah. Uh, also, it was announced at the uh, presentation from Viacom CBS on Tuesday that the show ain't even out yet, and it's already got green lit for season two. And that is that's insane. Yeah, that is Halo. Uh, so that is uh, coming. The first season is coming on March twenty first or twenty fourth. Excuse me, on Paramount Plus. Uh, which stars Pablo uh, Schreiber as the uh, iconic uh, Spartan known as Master Chief. Uh, you know, so that is getting a season two before season one is even out. Uh, and then Paramount Plus also confirmed that Fear the Walking Dead's David uh, Weiner will serve as showrunner and executive producer for the sophomore season. Okay. Uh, he will be the third showrunner to helm the series following Steve Kane, who will exit after season one, and Kyle Kinnan, who departed the series in 2018. I'm all excited for this. Listen, I have not played the Halo games because I don't own an Xbox, but I've read the books, you know, and I've and I've seen some of the stuff online. I'm a big fan of the series. Uh, I'm super excited for this show. It looks pretty good. I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm obviously a little skeptical because, again, video game adaptation into, you know, some other form of media. But the fact that they're greenlighting it for season two has promising things. It's definitely promising. I was not expecting this early renewal, but no. there is a lot of faith in this show. Like, I'm excited to check it out. I played Halo quite often in my day, so sure. I definitely want to see what this is bringing. Uh, and then lastly, and most happily, uh, we are happy to report, and it's been reported, that the Justice League of America and Avengers crossover from 2003 is getting a reprint. Uh, About and, fucking time. And uh, the, with uh, profits to benefit the artist George Perez. Yes. So reading from an article on IGN.com, uh, quote, Marvel and DC may have a legendary rivalry going on, but much like the heroes that populate both universes, they know how to put aside their differences for a good cause. Marvel and DC are teaming with the Hero Initiative to finally reprint the crossover comic JLA slash Avengers, all to benefit artist George Perez. Perez, who retired from comics in 2019 due to ongoing health issues, revealed in December 2021 that he's been diagnosed with inoperable stage 3 pancreatic cancer. Perez told fans on the private Art of George Perez Facebook group that he's decided to forego further treatment and has a life expectancy of 6 to 12 months. Uh, in light of that tragic news, the Hero Initiative has arranged this new printing of JLA slash Avengers to benefit the Perez family. Due to the complica complicated rights issues, Boy, ain't that the truth. Mm -hmm. Surrounding this joint Marvel DC release, JLA slash Avengers has been out of print for a number of years, with both the original comics and various collected editions fetching high prices on the secondary market. This new 288-page soft cover edition will collect the entire miniseries, along with 64 pages of bonus content. 
Both original forewords by Julius Schwartz and Stan Lee will be included, along with a new afterword by writer Kurt Busick. This new printing will be priced at $29.99 and is limited to 7,000 copies. The book will be released through Diamond Comics Distributors in March 2022, meaning you should be able to get a pre-order copy through your local comic book shop. I'm super excited for this, and I'm super happy to read this because I have never had the opportunity to read this book, but now I will. This is extremely good news that they're doing this for George. Yeah. Uh, I am super excited about it. That's why I was kind of like, it's about fucking time that Marvel and DC did this to honor the what George has done. And if you have not read this, this is something special. And I, if you want to talk about like, okay, we do, we talk about comic picks of the week. I'm imploring anybody that is an earshot of this podcast to call your local comic shops and try getting yourself a copy. Absolutely. Like there's no other high possible recommendation I can give this week. And there are some great books I want to talk about too, but no, this is something to honor one of the legends in the business and just with everything, like my heart breaks about what's going on with him. Yeah. And to see the Marvel and DC are willing to pull their stuff aside and, and do this for George, I can't say thank you enough. It's about time. It's a seminal moment. Yeah. So definitely make sure to call your local comic shops. I'm messaging ours right now Yeah. as we are typing because I'm going to keep it completely 100 about this. So if you hear a lot of beeping going on, that's me messaging, saying, get me a copy of this. This is something truly special. And like I say, to see Marvel and DC put their grudges aside for the right cause, you know, kudos. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's nice to see them put their their differences aside to for the benefit of somebody who's done wonderful work for the both of them you know and it's something that fans have always wondered and fans have always discussed you know you know who would win in a fight superman or thor captain america or batman you know you can go down the list and and you're finally going to get to see some of that on on your in in your hands again you know because like i said i did not get to read this so the fact that i'm going to be able to get to read this without having to go through the fact i'm going to be able to get to read this legally and officially you know which i haven't read it illegally or uh, unofficially, you know, just cause I've never sought it out. The fact I'm going to be able to do this and doing so will benefit George Perez gives me all sorts of warm feelings. And I'm super happy about, I'm showing pad my phone. Now I'm messaging our comic shop yeah, he's, right now. Yeah, he's doing it. So yeah, I mean, it's, this is just something definitely, if you've never picked up the book, this is now a time. This is a must get Yeah, highest possible recommendation coming for me about this. So that being said, I do have a couple other books I was going to talk about as well. So definitely want to give that a quick plug as well. The Altarian War is now officially in the books by Boom Studios. If you've not been reading the Power Rangers epic that's been going on, it's an instant classic. It's one of the best comic stories you're going to read. Ryan Parrott's been fucking killing it on this book. Uh, He's been writing it on both books. I know that he's going to be just doing Power Rangers after this. So Mighty Morphin is going to Mac Room, which I'm super excited to go check out. But... The epilogue issue of this event is now at the comic shop, so you definitely want to go pick it up. Ryan Perra and Francisco Martano, uh, Martino, rather, is going... This is something you definitely need to get in your hands. Yeah. Or Tarino. See, I, I'm getting so amped up, I, I botch my words. This is what I have. He's also still typing to our comic shop. Yes, I am. Like I'm screaming at them right now to get this. But I, I don't want to overplay 
how great Power Rangers 16 is. So you definitely want to go pick up a copy or two. And if you haven't read the Altarian War, like I'm going to, I can't stress this enough. If you're a Power Rangers fan, you're going to really love this book. If you're somebody that is very familiar with the franchise, you're still going to get something out of this book. I really want to stress that. This isn't just something for the diehard fans, but if you've been reading what Parrot's been doing in this book, it's you're going to have all the emotions go through you. Yeah. And it's something that when I read it, I've had moments I'm like yelling, let's go, like, holy crap, like this is fantastic. So definitely go make a point to get this book as soon as you can too as well. Get the whole Eltarian War run because yeah. it's great. My other pick is a book very near and dear close to my heart, and that's Shadow Man by Valiant Entertainment. Ah. Shadow Man number six is kick is by Cullen Bunn and Pedro Andreo. This book, okay, I'm going to try saying this without spoiling too much. Okay. We do know that they're doing the Dead Side War in Valiant, and this okay. is the year of Valiant, and you're seeing a lot of familiar faces come back. Sure. We do know the Punk Mambo is back. She's on the cover of this issue as well. Okay. So no super surprise there. There is a surprise if you've read Shadow Man of somebody else coming back in this book. Mephisto. No. Sorry, knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, I know. But if you're a longtime reader of Shadow Man and when said person and said other person show up, you will mark out. I did. I, I saw the panel by you know Pedro Andreo, and I freaked out. And I was like, Cullen Bunn has pulled off something really special here. I can't stress that enough. If you're a Valiant fan, this is a perfect time to get on board with this book. I love what they're doing. Like this, and I, I put this in the blog, or, uh, Parlay Points, too. So definitely the reviews are up if you okay. want some more in details. I tried doing this without spoilers too much, but there was so much happening with this book, uh, like I'm trying not to give too much away, but like I say, when you see the reveals of who's in this book, right, you're gonna mark out. You're gonna have a, a good time with this, and this is a perfect time to get on board with what Valiant is doing because there's gonna be a lot more characters coming back this year. From what I'm I'm gauging at, we know Archer and Armstrong's coming back. Harbinger has Faith coming back next issue. A lot of stuff to be excited about. I'd say so. A lot of stuff. So definitely make sure to get to your local comic shop, support your local comic shop, support your local comic shop podcast, because obviously everybody's doing a lot of hard work representing the medium, so you definitely want to do that. And my last bit of news kind of ties into Valiant. Okay. Because Deadline is reporting that we have a director for the Harbinger movie. Oh. So this has been kind of something that's been speculated for a while, that sure. you know, Harbinger has been tied in. We talked about this on the show briefly in the past about yep. Bloodshot with Vin Diesel was supposed to kick off the Valiant Cinematic Universe. Yep. Obviously, some stuff has kind of happened. You know, <laughs> little thing called the pandemic. Yeah. So you know, things have been sidetracked a little bit, but we did find out that Wes Ball has signed on to direct the movie. So I'm super excited to see what is going to go on here. Uh, Ball is known for the Maze Runner. Oh, okay. So this is going to be something definitely worth checking out. I can't stress enough of how great the, the latest run is of the Harbinger. I'm not sure if that's going to be the official adaptation or if it's going to be more or less the teen book that, right. that has been done. So either way, seeing Valiant get to the big screen is a big deal, and I'm super happy about it. I think that this franchise is going to do a lot of cool things mm -hmm. if you give them enough time, and I think that... 
obviously we bloodshot two is coming back so we do know that that is going to be something as well right so who knows what we're going to get out of the valiant universe but i'm telling you right now this is a perfect time to get on board with what valiant is doing support them support boom studios they're all fantastic people um support comics period you find something support it enough said yeah but you know what's not enough said shout out the robots because they're fantastic people yeah they are they have great music. They got Patreon. They got some things in the works. Pat, if I want to find out about them, where do I go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. Swing on over to the music section. Check out everything going on with Shout. Everything going on with Brian Wolf. Everything going on with Tom Jolie. Yard Party. Floodlands. Second Suitor. The list goes on and on because they're all fantastic people, and I could sit here and just make a podcast talking about them. But you don't want to hear about that. That's why you say go to the music section. Go download their music. Become fans. Talk to them. And it just rolls from there. But while you're at the website, go check out the directory. Which, Pat, how many providers are we on now? 20,496. He got it exactly. I was going to say, you almost forgot the 96, but it's there. We are on every single podcast provider you can think of. So if we're not on your favorite one, we want to know so we can get on there. But if you're like, hey, I want to listen to you on Spotify. I want to listen to you on Stitcher. I want to listen to you on Apple Podcasts. Boom, boom, boom. The links are all right there. Follow, subscribe. It would be great. You don't miss an episode. Also, while you're at the website, check out the classified section, which has Friends of the Show, Organizational Link Support, and Black Lives Matter, all the amazing pod groups we're in, and a lot more, too. So we can't stress it enough. There's so much on the website, Parlay Points, the blog section of the show, T Public Store, you name it. If it's ODPH, it is there. Obviously, you've got links to 8122 Productions as well, too. So much, man. There's so much. You just got to go explore the website yourself. Yeah. And that's ODPHpodcast.com because that's all I got for this week. So we're the one only Padawan J. Happy 26th birthday to the film Happy Gilmore. Turned 26 years old today as we record. Get out. Uh, true story. Showing you the photo. Uh, also, is Shooter McGavin the best sports movie villain of all time? Yes or no? Let us know. Hashtag ODPHPod. Great poll question. Post that on Twitter. We definitely got to get some answers about that. I'm your host, Ken. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where I'm